0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 28th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The IRS has a habit of seizing bank accounts of business people they suspect of money laundering, but they don't charge these people with any crimes, but they do keep the money. Larry Salzman from the Institute for Justice is representing some of these business people against the IRS. We spoke yesterday. What is the IRS trying to do with the Bank Secrecy Act?
1: Increasingly, the IRS is using civil forfeiture laws and the Bank Secrecy Act to take the bank accounts of small businesses, legitimate small businesses, just because the government suspects that they deposited their money in an unlawful way or wrong.
0: Okay. So uh, the Bank Secrecy Act triggers certain reports. uh, If business people or individuals deposit $10,000 or more into an account, people who are criminals, uh, I assume, want to avoid triggering that paperwork specifically so that they can keep their illegal activities uh, under wraps. But by virtue of the fact that there's a lot of paperwork that's being generated, some legitimate business people say, well, I just don't want to cause all that paperwork. And, And that seems to be the case with one of your clients.
1: You've got it right. Federal banking laws require banks to file reports with the treasury when you make cash transactions of more than $10,000. If you deposit less than that, it's legal if you have a legitimate business purpose for doing so. But if you're depositing less than $10,000 for the purpose of avoiding those bank reports that are mandated by federal law, that's something called structuring. You're structuring your cash transactions to avoid the reports. And that's the way the IRS is taking money from Carol Hinders, our client in Spirit Lake, Iowa, and from Jeff Hirsch and his brothers, our client on Long Island, the IRS alleged that they deposited their money wrong. They simply looked at their bank statements and said, you've got a lot of under $10,000 deposits. Grab that money without any serious investigation.
0: So uh, the IRS sees a pattern of deposits that they determined, to use their words, is consistent with structuring, which of course doesn't mean that it is, they use that to then seize whole bank accounts based on, as you say, very little investigation. And then it becomes, if the people want their money back, it turns into a civil proceeding where a preponderance of evidence should prevail and they have to fight to get this money back. It seems like there are a lot of sort of quantum leaps there that uh, the government is making in order to keep these people's money.
1: That's right. Well, I mean you've hit the nail on the head there. Civil forfeiture law has become one of the most dangerous uh, assaults to private property in the nation because it's so easy for the government to take your property based on a mere suspicion and then it's so hard for you to get your money back. There's this terrible direct financial incentive in civil forfeiture where the agencies that seize your money then can use that money to pad their own budgets. So it fosters an abuse of these laws as well. You have these three problems. It's easy for them to take your money, hard for you to get it back. They're encouraged to take as much as possible that's capturing innocent people under these civil forfeiture laws. Structuring is just one aspect of that.
0: Now, the case that you have in uh, New York, the government seized hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, from these business people. That sounds like uh, quite a bit of wealth to be to be seizing, and these guys are dealing with products that, quite frankly, are often associated with criminal activity.
1: Well, the government took four hundred and fifty thousand dollars from the Hirsch family, uh, Jeff Mitchell and his brother Richard. For twenty-seven years, they've run by county distributors. They distribute candy, snacks, and cigarettes to convenience stores all around Long Island it's a small business a family business they wake up early every morning drive a delivery van deliver these goods they are not uh, a wealthy family it's a very modest business cigarettes and other uh, convenience store goods have a pretty small margin so they have a high volume low profits and what the government seized was money that they largely owed to other people owed to their vendors and it has completely upended their business and they've survived these two and a half years since the seizure because on the basis of their exceptional reputation, vendors have just loaned them money to stay in business.
0: For local law enforcement uh, agencies, when they want to execute a big seizure and they have a state law that conflicts with uh, the agency keeping that money, they will sometimes bring in a federal agency to uh, technically execute the seizure. And then they, the federal government then can kick back a huge share uh, of that money to the local agency. In this case, this is the IRS seizing large amounts of money. Where does that money go? And is it directly uh, benefiting the programs that the IRS has like this one?
1: The program you're talking about is a program called equitable sharing. And what that allows local and state law enforcement officers to do is seize money, cooperate with federal prosecutors, have the federal government take that money, keep it under lax federal civil forfeiture laws, and then kick back up to 80% to the local law enforcement agencies. It's a huge incentive for uh, local and state law enforcement officers to fill holes in their local budgets with federal largesse, federal lax federal civil forfeiture laws that allow them to keep that money. That actually is a part of the Long Island story. In this case, the Nassau County Police uh, Department seized the money, cooperated with The IRS is part of a task force. The IRS is now prosecuting this. But if the IRS succeeds in taking that money, the money will go both to the IRS and to the local law enforcement agencies. In Iowa, the money will all stay with the U.S. Treasury Department, who will send that money to the IRS and other agencies that seize the money under federal law.
0: Who is Carol Henders? She's one of of your clients, but who is she?
1: Carol Henders has run uh, Mrs. Lady's Mexican Food Mexican restaurant in Spirit Lake, Iowa, for 38 years. She founded the company with her mother, uh, ran it together for about 30 years, and for the last eight, she's been on her own. She works six days a week serving customers. Uh, It's an all-cash business. She doesn't accept credit cards. That's part of the reason why she makes so many cash deposits. That appears to be why the IRS caught her on their radar and without so much as a serious investigation, grabbed her entire bank account.
0: The IRS has announced that they will be making some changes to uh, how they do uh, these kinds of seizures, but that doesn't change the authority that uh, these laws afford that
1: agency. That's right. Regardless of whatever change has been announced, the law still makes structuring a crime. And the law still makes it very difficult for innocent people to avoid being caught in this web of laws. So... Congress or judges really have to step in here and say civil forfeiture cannot be used to take property from innocent people. Moreover, when that property is taken, under civil forfeiture laws, you don't get a prompt hearing before a judge to contest the seizure. That has to change.
0: Henry Hyde wrote a book for the Cato Institute years ago called uh, Forfeiting Our Property Rights, I believe, and there was some reform in 2000. Where does that stand now, and what are the specific steps that you suggest uh, the Congress take?
1: That's right. The Civil Asset Forfeiture Reform Act was in 2000. One of the most sweeping parts of that law was an attempt to curb the abuse of forfeitures like the one in Long Island where the government seizes your money and then sits on it for years before uh, bringing it before a judge, and you're just helpless being coerced into a settlement or without your money, perhaps even going out of business, The Forfeiture Act attempted to solve that problem. Unfortunately, for years, prosecutors have been undermining that reform. In Long Island, they're simply violating that law. They were obligated to give notice of the forfeiture within 60 days, file a complaint within 90 days. They blew all of those deadlines, have just been sitting on the money. One important reform is whether it comes from Congress or from a judge. Every person who has their property seized by the government should be before a judge, a neutral adjudicator, to contest the seizure very promptly. That doesn't happen now, and it must happen to comply with the Constitution.
0: Larry Salzman is an attorney at the Institute for Justice. Read more about civil asset forfeiture at our website, cato.org.